So we're on the Genesis. Let's thank God for Overseer Crump tonight. <laughs> Hallelujah. All right. Um, how many of you enjoyed Sunday's, uh, the first part of this series on, on progress on Sunday? All right. Um, I want to I want to deal with this, and I want to hit this from a lot of different angles because I just don't want I don't want to just talk about about going forward. I want to talk about some areas we're stuck at also, uh, because you really can't progress unless you know where you're stuck at. So tonight I want to I want to talk about this subject from pain to purpose, the progression from pain to purpose. Can you say the progression from pain to purpose? I want to deal with that for just a little bit. My time up there. I want to deal with that just for a little bit. Um, Genesis 50, we know this. Genesis 50 and 20, it says, but as for you, I'm reading from the New King James Version, the New King James. It says, but as for you, you meant evil against me, but God, somebody say meant it for good. He says, in order to bring it about as it is this day. Why? To save many people alive. I'll read it again. But as for you, you meant it, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good in order to bring, to bring it about as it is this day to save many people alive. Can you just, uh, uh, just echo our theme and look at someone, tell them, say, the progression, the progression. from pain, from pain. To, purpose. to purpose. This is how God's going to move you. He's going to move you from pain to purpose. Our definition for, for, for purpose that we talked about on uh, Sunday was that progress to, to progress means to move forward. Everybody say, I got to go, go from here. Tell somebody next to you, move from where you are. I know it's hard for us to, to kind of get with that, especially if you have been uh, stuck for a long period of time. Whenever you're stuck, the hardest thing for you to do is to want to move. Because the real reality is that a lot of people don't even know that they're stuck. Amen. It's hard to move from a place you're stuck, especially if you're blind to the fact that you're stuck. Amen. But once you find out that you're stuck somewhere, the ultimate goal ought to be, I can't stay in this place forever. Amen. So I've, I've, I've actually seen that. Well, let's, let's uh, finish this, this definition. To, prog to progress means to move forward while proceeding steadily to the advancement of a goal. That means... That means I am moving from where I am, but I'm not going to some unknown place. There's a goal to where I have to get to. There's a goal. Say there's a goal. You have to have a goal in life, in a relationship. There's no need for you to just say, we're just going to be in love forever. No, where are we going? Where are we going from here? What's the goal of, of our coming together? You don't just want to have friends for the sake of having friends. What's the goal of the friendship? The goal of the friendship is that iron sharpens iron. I need people in my life. See, if you don't sit down and define these things, you'll get very angry with people when they're not, when they're not being good friends to you because they don't know how to be a friend to you because you never explained what you needed. Most people don't even know what they want. They just want a whole bunch of friends so they can have people. Most people don't even know what they want in a friend. If I ask you, what do you want in a friend? I want somebody to be kind and go shop with me and just, you know, just a, just a friend, a boo-boo. You don't even know what you want. So, so what happens is you get, you get somebody who comes in your life. They don't ever call you. They don't ever deal with you. They're always angry. They're always, you know, and they're always telling you their problems because they're letting you know what they need. And a lot of us, we get angry at people. We cut folks off very easily because we haven't defined the relationship from the beginning. 
So how, how do you know, and Lord, we're going to start with this tonight. Uh, how do you know what you need unless you sit, unless you, unless you, uh, well, how, how the, 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 this is the thing. People do this. I want you to be my friend. I want you to be my friend. You look cute. I want you to be my friend. You do music. I like music too. I want you to be my friend. You do hair. You got to be my friend. Right? All of that happens, and then nothing comes from none of those relationships. Now I'm upset with you. I'm upset with you. You cute. I'm not too upset with you. Upset with you. You see what I'm saying? And at the end of the day, we look crazy because we didn't do this first. What do I need? Let me get my, let me get my, my pad and pen out. I need someone to help me keep it together. I also need someone who I can trust to tell my business to if I have to tell my business. I need somebody who can see that I'm a little crazy and to help pull me out of the hole that I always jump into. I also need somebody to remind me that my life is not my own and God wants more from me than what I'm giving him. So watch, now that I know what I'm looking for, then I have to look for the, quali- the qualities that, of what I need in the people that, I, that I'm scouting to be friends. Just because we click don't mean we're good friends. Just means we click. If you don't know what you need, then you'll, you'll, you can click with everybody about something. We both like movies, but how is that going to help me with what I need? We do the same thing in relationships. You cute. Ooh, we just get along. I felt something in the pit of my belly. <laughs> you want me my boyfriend? And, and no. Because what happens is, after three years, you're ready for marriage. He's saying no. You done bared your soul, bared everything from the waist down. Right? Come on, if we could be honest tonight. You done done everything. Because your, your intention was different than their intention. And you waste three years. Now you don't want to look silly. So it's like, how am I going to get out of this? How am I going to break this off and be integrous? Y'all get what I'm saying? It all comes down to if you don't know what you want, and if you don't know what you need, you'll accept everything and everybody. So the question tonight, the first question, because you know Tuesday nights I like to ask you a lot of questions. The first question we have to ask yourself is, Who's in my circle that doesn't belong? Wow. Who is in my circle that doesn't belong? And it's okay. It's okay. See, we get, we get real tense. I don't want to let nobody go out of my circle. Sometimes the best thing for you to do is to, is to quit the circle and reflect and start a new circle. Yeah. We, are loyal, we are loyal to people that God never called us to. Right. And you can't progress if all you're doing is marking time in the relationships. You need somebody that's going to ask you. I have, I, have, I have friends who are not even preachers, but they love to read. They, 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 love, they love studying the word. And they all, we always ask each other, hey, man, what are you reading this week? Tell me about it. Oh, I ain't read nothing. That's not acceptable, Crump. Come on, man. What you read, man? You, come on. We always reading something, man. What's the new book you got? When's the last time you bought three or four books, man? What's, what, what's, come on. Send me, send me, a, send me a, a snapshot of the receipt. Let me know. Show them. Come on, see. Don't just tell me you're reading something. Come on, I'm going to hold you accountable. Send me a snapshot. Let me know. Let me see your library. Take a snapshot of your library. Let me see what you got. 
give me a synopsis of the last book you read. What chapter are you on? Oh, you was on chapter 19 last time I spoke to you. What's going on, man? See, y'all don't like that. It's my business. I have a lot I'm doing. A friend has to, someone, someone who connects with you has to be able to hold you accountable. Hallelujah. We're not going to that. So, so for, for a lot of people, they, 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 they walk out of, the, out, out of the enemy's camp. They walk out of sin and death. They walk out of shame and guilt. They walk out of the enemy's kingdom, and then they come into the kingdom of God, uh, uh, and, and, and they come here expecting this big burst of all new. And then the issue is, what has to happen is the first thing that happens is what? They got to get cleaned up. So the first thing you're not going to experience is, is all of this. The first thing you're going to experience is going to look like trials and tribulations and problems and turmoil. But the thing that concerns me as a pastor is people who have, who have been saved for five years, three years, seven years, nine years, and they have more turmoil and pain and problems than they do victory. Like, like... The process when you came out of sin was that God had to clean up all the stuff that was in you. But how much are you cooperating with the cleanup? How much do we cooperate with the cleanup so that we don't have to be in, in that stage forever? Now, as long as you live, something's going to have to be cleaned up. But all of, the, all of the junk that you bought from the world, you shouldn't still be dealing with the, that junk after three years of being in God. Lord. Write this down for my note takers. How quick am I growing? How quick am I growing? It concerns me when I see that in people because the gospel of Jesus and Christianity is about teaching believers how to live above the circumstance, how to live above the cares and affairs of this world. So the Bible says you can be in the world but not of the world. Certain things ought, ought not bother you anymore. Certain things, eventually you ought to grow past the ignorance of people who are still in sin. If, 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 them, if them being around you still just gets under your skin and you just can't deal with nobody but the church Christians, then you, you're very immature still. You're not progressing yet. So the question is, why do we have so many Christians who have come into the kingdom of God and seemingly are more miserable living for God than it was when they lived in the world? Why be in God to be miserable when he has everything afforded to us? The issue is we're not taking advantage of what he, of, of, of our real salvation. We're not taking advantage of salvation. We're not taking advantage of the freedom that comes from being in Christ. If any man be in Christ, be in Christ he's a new creature. Old things are passed away and all, and, and all things what? They become what? New. So if everything is becoming new, why are you so in, enamored with the old? I want us to think for a minute. I'm going to get into the text. So you're like, what about Joseph? I'm going to get there. So, so, so in this series, we're going to be talking about progress for the next three or four weeks. Progress. Everybody say progress. progress. If we're talking about progress, the truth that we have to come to is, do I want to go forward? If we're going to talk about progress, we've got to answer this within yourself. Do I really want to go forward? And not just in my money. I want to go forward in my relationships. I want to get married. That's forward for you. Your priorities got to be restructured. If you're going to go forward, your priorities have to be restructured because you can't want to just have a, you can't just want to have a husband or a wife but not want to love God. Can't just want a car and a house but don't want to be a good steward. 
So you got to answer that tonight when you go home and within yourself tonight. Do, you got to, now, matter of fact, ask your neighbor, do you really want to go forward? Don't answer them. Just, 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 let it, just let it sit in. You're like, I don't know. Then we're going to be like, oh, Jesus. Because the truth is, the truth of the matter is this, no matter what I preach to you, no matter what I say, no matter what I, no matter how many times I show it to you in the word of God, if your heart and your mind is not fixed on, on, on going forward and your mind and heart is only fixed on rehearsing the pain and rehearsing how bad it is and rehearsing how much, how, how better you had in the world, then you'll never embrace a life that includes forward progression. No matter how many times you come down to the altar and God does it all over again for you, save me again, Jesus. No matter how many times you had those moments, you'll never progress if your heart and mind doesn't want to go forward. I know a lot of Christians who their whole life is, is pulling back away from God, pulling back away from God, pulling back away from God, and then, and then something, something, something traumatic hits and then they just jump in. Okay, God, you got me, you got me. It's like the children of Israel. You got me. I'm, I'm all yours. I'm all yours, God. I'm yours, Lord. Everything I not. Right? Now, now we're all his. Until we get comfortable again, then we go back to the tug of war. I, nah, I, I can't do that, God. I don't want this. So tonight, we're going to deal with the process of progression. Say the process of progression. Remember now, to progress means what? To move forward while steadily advancing towards what? A goal. Write this down. What's my goal? What is the next thing you have your eyes on? What is the next thing in God you want from him? Because coming to church is wonderful, but, but if you don't have any goal, you're not growing. I want to grow. I don't want to sit around forever in the same place, looking at the same wall, in the same house. I want to, I come on. Eventually, you're going to get tired of looking, being in that one apartment, that one bedroom, looking at that same wall. It, eventually, you're going you're gonna to say, I got to at least paint the walls. Like, come on, amen, somebody. Yes. You walk in the house and that same dingy rock there, you're like, look, I got to get rid of this. I'm tired of this. I don't want to come home to this no more. Sometimes, sometimes, you, you, know, you know, the thing that makes you go forward is how tired you are of, of living and seeing what you've been seeing. Yes. And, and, and a lot of us, I just don't have the energy. But guess what? When you really get tired of looking at the same thing, experiencing the same thing, you'll get energy from out of nowhere. You'll be up to four o'clock in the morning ripping out carpets and... <laughs> throwing couch, dragging couches down the stairs by yourself. You want to know why? You get, you get a lot of energy and strength when, watch this, when remodeling is taking place. Because you know what that means? That the old is leaving. And, and this series is not, not so much about God, God put, put, throwing you into some orbit somewhere and you be like, oh, I'm going, I'm progressing. As much as it is, you understanding the reason why you haven't gone nowhere. It's not about God throwing you somewhere. This is about you understanding why you are stuck. That's what the series is really about. It's not about just, oh, God's going to throw you into a new place. You're going to see new things. It ain't going to get better tonight. No, sometimes it ain't going to get better until you realize I have been the reason why I'm stuck. Oh, Lord. So in every process, write this down. In every process, there should be progression. In every process, there should be progression. If I'm going through a process right now, remember what, what the writer said, when he is finished trying me, that's a process. That's a process. When he's finished trying me, I shall come forth. That is the progression. I'm going through this process, but I'm gonna, it's, it's causing me to progress to another place. 
What is, where is your trial taking you? Where's all, what, what, what's the cause for all the pain in your life? What's the end result of it? See, if we don't, if we don't c- c- really come to some conclusions and conclude some of this stuff, we'll stay in this cycle forever. What's the end of all of this? Yes, I went through it. You know, I, daddy wasn't there. Went through my family. Went through it and didn't have no money. Struggled half my life. But if that's all, if those are only four things in my life that I'm constantly rehearsing, I'm not going anywhere forward. Because the only thing I'm rehearsing is what has happened. What happened in my past. I have to start, I got to say, okay, forgetting those things which are behind, because I got to start rehearsing where I'm going. If all of that, if God allowed all that stuff to happen, and I I didn't die in that, and, and I didn't lose my mind in that, if all of that couldn't take me out, then obviously God has something else in front of me that's bigger than all of that. And eventually, everybody say, things have to get better. See, if, if, if you don't believe that, you'll get stuck in the pain. You'll get stuck in, oh, God, why me? And every day the wound opens up again. When you open your eyes, you never see that God has something better for you. And you miss seasons for God to do something greater because the only thing that you can rehearse in your mind is what has happened. How I was hurt. All of my loss. You don't even see how much gain is in front of you. It's, oh, come on, I'm talking to y'all tonight. It's hard for you to see how much God has available and ready for you if all you do is rehearse how bad it is and how bad it's been. You lose hope like that. You lose hope. You don't don't even want to be bothered with life. You sit around and you watch everybody else be happy and inside of you, you feel like, what's the use? Come on, I'm talking to somebody here tonight because all of us have been there. What's the use? Everybody else is going to make it, but I'm not going to make it. You start, you start, your own mind is the, is, is, is the catalyst that, 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 that watches, brings you to, to an end that's not expected of God, but it's expected of us. There's an expected end that God has, but then there's also an expected end that we create. Eventually, you're going to have, see, part of not my will, but thy will be done, a part of that is letting go of what has happened. If all you do, if that's all your will is is attached to, then anything that looks like is new and fresh and something that has never been before, you're going to say no thank you to that because it's easier to stay in pain than it is to move forward in promise. I said it's easier to stay in pain than it is to move forward in promise. You want to know why? Because promise is is, is a part of your life that, that if you really understand promise, sometimes promise don't have no answers in it. God says to Abram, I want you to leave your family and go to a land that I'm going to show you. Notice, going to show you. I'm going to show you. This is not something you know right now, but you're going to have to trust me, Abram, to get you from here to there. I'm going to show it to you. Now look, you have it in you to to, to really do this because you're doing the same thing backwards. You are going backwards to what has happened. God's trying to take you forward to what he's trying to do. You have it in you to do it. You just are comfortable and you have, and all all of us really, in some area of our lives, we've created this this, this, this cycle of but. The cycle of but. I want to do that but. I want to be who God called me to be but. I want to have better friends but. And because that is our cycle, then what we do is we stay in our right now. We never move into the future. We, we never go into what God has for us. But there's a few of us tonight that are honestly saying, look, I'm tired of this. 
Anybody else is, come on, can you be honest? Anybody else is tired of all of this stuff? You got, this is what God says to Abram. Go, leave the comfortability of your mother and father. Leave the comfortability of what has been. Leave the comfortability of your pain. Leave the comfortability of, of, watching, of the familiar surroundings. Pack your bags, Abram, and I'm going to take you to a place that I'm going to show you only when you're comfortable with stepping out on faith. You will only progress when you're willing to go through the process. And, and a lot of this process has nothing to do with the answers I'm going to give you. God knew where he was going to take him, but he didn't tell him. God knows exactly where you're going next. He can't reveal that to you until you let go of what, what you've been holding on to. You know what that means? For a season, you're going to be very vulnerable. Uh-oh, you're going to be vulnerable. You're going to be extremely vulnerable because you're going to be out of control. Because <laughs> you've been calling the shots. And you've been making the way. And you've been working extra hours. And you've been carving out your, your, your relationships. And you've been making it for you. You're paying your bills. And you got your friends in check. And you're doing your life. And you pick your hair. And you cut your hair. And you do. And you. And we got so comfortable with, what, with us doing it. We got so comfortable with us doing it. That this is why us falls into sin. I know it's we, but you know. This is just wrong because I was going to us, you know. But this, 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 is why, this is why we fall into sin. You want to know why? Because we're used to doing it our way. This is why we mess up because we're used to, because I, 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 I. Eventually, that I is going to have to break in half. No, seriously, that I is going to have to break in half because when God has something for you, the tug of war in your life, the biggest tug of war that I've ever had in my life has always been between where I've gotten comfortable but where he wants to take me to. I'm comfortable here. It's a good place. I know these surroundings. I know the people here. I'm the smartest pe person in my crew. I'm good. And God said, I'm going to take you into a place. I'm going to take you around people who are light years ahead of you. You're now going to be at the bottom of the totem pole. So I'm going to break your pride. Because I'm going to get you around people. When you, when you make a statement, they look at you like this. What? So it's better for you to just be quiet and keep learning. But if you have been making your way, it's the hardest thing to do. Because a lot of us, our self-worth comes from us being us. If we put you in a new surrounding, you would run from it. That's why a lot of y'all, okay. If we put you in a new surrounding, you'd run. You want to know why? Because you're used to being you. Yeah. But what if, what if the you that you've become is not the you that God called you to be? Y'all yeah. get what I'm saying? Maybe I'm talking in circles tonight. Maybe the you that you have become is not the you that God ordained for you to be. Yeah. Maybe you haven't spent enough time with the Holy Ghost. Yeah. Maybe you haven't spent enough time praying the will of asking God to show you his will for you. Yeah. So you've gotten comfortable with who you have become. But that's not who God's called you to be. So anytime God tries to pull you into who he's trying to call you to be, you pull snap out of that because you say, that's not natural. That's not what I like. This is not the type of people I like to be around. I don't want to be around church folks. I want to be around people who are having fun. I want to have people who know excitement. That's the reason why you're jacked up now. Because if you, want, you, want, you want the things that have made you the person that God didn't create you to be. 
So what does God got to do? He has to constantly strip you. Ah, glory. He has to constantly deal with your will. He has to constantly deal with your mind. The stuff that you said, okay, 2 plus 2 is 4. God said, no, no, no. Now 2 plus 2 is 18. Like, what? 2 plus 2 is 18? They ain't teach me that in school. See, and this is what we do. Because it don't make sense, we run from what God is trying to do. He's trying to, he's trying to get, get a new model in your mind. You've gotten, you gotten okay with the model you learned. So, so, so sometimes, can we just talk for a couple minutes? I, I, I promise you, my lesson is really only five minutes. My real lesson is five minutes. This is just, I'm just, we're just talking. I'm serious, my real lesson is just three things. One, two, three, and we're done. When, think about this. When your child first learns how to talk, your child doesn't learn how to talk like this. In the beginning was the word, the word was with God, and the word became flesh. That's not how your child learns how to talk. They don't say the cat in the hat, cat's red, and the hat's red, and everybody got and, they, and Dr. Sue said, go bed. That's, that's not how they learn how to talk. They learn how to talk like this. A, A, B, B, C says, K. You say, what does A say? I don't know. Let's go back over this again. A says, ah, right? Once they become a good steward over A says, ah, B says, B, C says, K, and they get all the way to T, then you can say, K. At cat, I'm reading. It will be it will be kind of weird of them to go now and find the Encyclopedia Britannica. So I'm trying to get y'all to see this. They come out with they come out with a King James Bible. So I'm ready to read, Mama. Like, baby, you're not gonna be able to read this. No, I can read. I can read. Look, ka-a-ta, you say, well, baby, it's much more to reading than just three-letter words. There's much more to reading than ba, at, and ka, at, and it's really cat and bat. But we ain't going to go through that because <laughs> you know everything. Ba, at, ka, at, no, it's cat. No, it's ba, at, right? So what you start seeing is, is that with the little bit of knowledge they have, their pride is already showing. Oh, my God. You as a parent are trying to progress them to eventually being able to read the Bible words or reading what's in the Encyclopedia Britannica, but they have to go through the process. This is what we do. After we, after we know how to read, now we're at, at Encyclopedia Britannica, we learn words, but we don't know meanings. So every time you go higher, it's not just that I can read. It's not just that I can pray. Now you got to know why you should pray. Now you got to know why you've been saved. You've been saved for a year now. Yes, you ain't sinning. You're trying your best to live holy. Now you got to know why you need to be holy. Now you didn't know why. What most people do is they go from, from I've been saved for a year. Now it's, I, Bishop, the Lord told me I need to, I need to host a, uh, 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 you know, a, a, a Bible study in my home. I'm going to be ordaining three new pastors. First of all, you ain't even, you're just barely a saint. You've just been here for a year. No, no, no. And, and, and there's an issue. When you, when, you, when you confront that, the issue is, I know what I'm doing. That's like, but at her. Because the issue is, how often have you been in the process? You have to be processed. I'm trying to get y'all to get this. 
You got to be processed if you're going to go higher, if you're going to go forward. If you're going to pro progress, you got to be processed. What is process? Process is God taking you through a series of events to teach you what you don't know yet. God is taking you through a series of events to teach you. Come on, Holy Ghost is talking to you all tonight. He's like, I'm not doing no notes. This is what the Holy Spirit is saying to us tonight. The process is God taking you through a series of events to teach you what you don't know yet. And even with the process, he can't give all of it to you because we know in part. We understand in part. You, he has to take you in stages even with your level of what you should know. All of it is process. Right? So, so, so look back over your life. Go back to the point of your first level of pain. My mama didn't come home. My sister did this. I was molested. Go back to that place and now ask God why. You've been saved for a little bit of time now. You can handle hard truths. You go to this church. <laughs> you can handle some hard stuff now. Right? Your tolerance level is a little higher than everybody else's. You couldn't, handle, you couldn't handle hearing God explain to you why last year this time. But if you're going to go forward, you have to know why all of this had to come to push you to right here. If you're going to go forward. If not, going forward is going to be like you reliving all of that again. Because there's no resolve for it. Whew. So you want to know why most people in church are hurt? Because they're going forward without getting resolved. I want to know why. I want to know why I was molested. I want to know why my mama died at nine. I want to know why my dad didn't want me at 11. See? But watch this. While I'm getting those answers, God starts preparing me for forward. Shut up, I'm trying to help us. You don't get the answers if your heart is not inclined to go forward. If your heart is not inclined to go forward, why should God tell you the why? He's not obligated to tell you the why because the why is all about what he's going to do next. It was good for me that I was afflicted. Why? That I might learn your precepts. Why? Because I'm going to preach your word. But I'm not going to preach out of pain. I'm going to preach from the place of my affliction. You don't get that until you come out of it. Because if you preach from the place of your pain, then everybody's going to hell. This is why you have bitter preachers, bitter leaders. Everybody's going under. Nobody's going to make it. Oh, the devil is coming like a thief in the night. Everybody's going to hell. See, that's how you, that's how you get bitter preachers. Nobody's going to make it. You mess up, you're, all, you're, all, you're messed up. How can you mess up after this efficacious blood's been shed for you? Right? The issue with that leader is that that leader is still in pain. Oh. It's not until you understand and your heart is inclined or desires to go forward that God starts the process of explaining to you what happened. Does that make sense to us? Because a lot of us have been asking God, well, Lord, why? I just need to know why. But you don't want to go forward. Your why is going to keep you stumped here. If your why is going to keep you stuck here, God's not going to tell you nothing. I want to help somebody who's been praying, God, let the man of God tell me why it is happening. I'm telling you why. You're not going to get a why 
until your heart desires to grow from your place of your pain. Then you're going to see progress. You want to know why? Because as he heals you, he's going to cause your eyes to be magnets to see the person who, watch this, who is suffering with what you went through. But you're no longer struggling with. If I don't get delivered from this, then, then when I minister to the next person, I am ministering my pain to them. I'm ministering to them based on how unfair it was for me. So that becomes our common ground. It ain't unfair because it wasn't unfair for me either. No, this had to happen because in my generation, there were some curses. This, had, this happened because my mama did something wrong. This happened because her mama did something wrong. See, when we come to grips with that, then what happens is our eyes are open and anybody you minister to after that, you'll be able to administer the whole counsel of God and not your preference of the counsel. I know. Some of you are like, I don't even know what this man talking about. It's okay. Just get the seat. Just get the, get the download and just keep listening to it. So watch this. If you follow the progression, it's what you're going to follow. And, and, and this is what you're going to understand. That many times the pain is the starting point. Anybody's going to be great in God, you trace it back to where they started from and you're going to see a whole lot of pain. I'm going to show you in the Bible tonight. It starts with pain. Struggle. Somebody dropped you. Even, even uh, in the Bible, uh, Mephibosheth. He was dropped. Legs broken. Daddy was the king. He's, at the, he, he's sitting and he, he, he's in Lodabar, a place where there's no oil, no bread. And because of being dropped and because of the relationship his father had, my God, because of the relationship his father had with the king, the now king, the now king says, I got to find somebody who's still left of the house of Jonathan that I could be a blessing to. And he finds him not out there because, I, you know what, I'm a prince. No, but he's a wounded guy. And he finds him wounded. And he come, David comes and says, listen, me and your daddy, we were boys. And I came here because you will never, ever be in a broken place again. Notice, notice when he says that to him, he says, you're going to eat at my table for the rest of your life. His legs never got healed. His, he was crippled the rest of his life. But he was crippled, but he was eating and living like royalty. You know what that is? That is the thorn. That is the thorn. Paul says, Paul, he, he's starting churches everywhere. He's doing missionary work. He's an apostle. And he comes to the Lord and says, I got this thorn. This is a part of my process. I got this thorn. In my flesh, something is here. Satan is buffeting me. This is happening on a daily basis. Some people said it was his eyes. I don't believe that. It was something else. It wasn't his eyes. It wasn't his cross-eyed, couldn't see. No, that wasn't an issue. He was buffeted by Satan. This was a fight, a demonic fight that he was going through. And he, it, was, it was so bad that he goes to God and says, take this from me. The Bible said he asked him three times. Now, the first time God heard him. We know this because when Daniel prayed and the angel came, he said, the first time you prayed, he heard you. So God is not hard of hearing. He just doesn't answer on purpose. Y'all don't want to hear me tonight? Okay. Because y'all think I'm up here rambling. I'm, I'm telling y'all what I hear God saying. 
So he, so he prays, right? Take this from me. Nothing. Second time, pray. Take this from me. Nothing. Third time, take it from me. God says, nope. He says, why? Because my grace is sufficient. In other words, you're going to live with this to remind you that you can't go back to that. There's some stuff that you have gone through or you're in right now that it may never change. It may never change. It don't mean God's not good. It just means that that is the thorn that he chose for you because if you get puffed up in your pride, the thorn sticks you. When you get what when, when, when you start, yeah, you look what I'm doing. Look what's happening. Look what God said. The thorn goes pow. Because that's God's way of reminding you. This is not about you. And the thorn is the thorn's way of reminding you, you ain't that great. And listen to me. All of us in here have a thorn. I don't care how you speak in tongues the rest of your life, you got a thorn. You got a thorn. I mean, your tongues is super fire. You got AK-47 bullet tongues. You have a thorn. You have a thorn. There is something that when you get puffed up in pride, the thorn pricks you. It's a weight in the sin that easily besets you. It's the choice preference sin. It's the thing that bothers you and bugs you and, and you can't sleep at night. You get delivered from it for a season, seems like. But then when you, when you start turning from God, the thorn kicks up. Y'all don't want to hear me. The thorn kicks up because that's God's way of reminding you, stay in line. When I'm good with God, the thorn don't even prick me. <laughs> but when I start feeling myself, like, listen, I got this. I know what I got in me. I got greatness in me. Ain't nobody going to tell me I ain't great. Guess what happens? You start leaning towards a thorn. All right. Say this. The pain is a starting point. The apostle Paul did not get a pass from his pain. He was planting churches. I told you. Like he's becoming leader of, the, of this great evangelistical movement amongst the Gentiles. He's like the guy. But guess what? Somebody said he had a thorn. Had a great resume of suffering. You want to be great? It's not going to come easy. You want to, prog you want to progress? You want to go forward? It ain't going to come because you're cute. You want to be something in God? It's not going to come because you, just because you come to church. Come on, y'all. You're not going to be great because you follow rules. This is what Paul says. He says, uh, write it down and read it when you get home. 2 Corinthians 11. 2 Corinthians 11, 23 through 29. 2 Corinthians 11, 23 through 29. I'm not going to read the scripture. I'm just going to tell you to pull out some highlights. 2 Corinthians 11, 23 through 29. He says, he, says, um, he, starts, he starts giving his resume of suffering. He says, uh, I had multiple imprisonments. I mean, that, that's not all of us in here. It might be one or two of us, but it ain't all of us. Beatings. Beatings. Ain't nobody got a beating. You may have got a little whooping, a little pop pop. Look, even, even with a belt, pop, pop, pop. But you ain't got no, you ain't got no beating. A beating is when they whip you with a whip. Yes. Well, I ain't gonna get into that tonight. Okay. <laughs> Floggings. 
You know what that is? That's when they hit you, they hit you with this whip, and when they hit you, your skin comes off. Ain't nobody here ever been flogged that I know of. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Life-threatening experiencing. He was stoned. Shipwrecked. Was out on the sea for a night and a day, floating. Didn't have enough food, he said. Didn't have enough clothing. Didn't get enough sleep. Had no real steady friends. Had been chased by bandits. He was infuriating religious leaders. He said, this is what I went through, watch this. Not to get a car, a house. Not to, not to get a boo-boo. Not to, not to be, not, not to be uh, Facebook famous. Not to be Instagram happy. He said, I went through all of these things that I just told you. He said, I went through this so I could preach the gospel. Some of y'all don't even want to go through nothing to have a testimony. He went through all of this to preach the gospel to Gentiles. People who, people who, were, who had to be grafted in. He did this for them. He went through all this to preach the gospel to people who, 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 who just generally wouldn't have accepted Christ. He, was, he said, I went through all of this stuff so I could preach the gospel to them. And you mean to tell me you can't inconvenience yourself from going over to Korean hut so you can go and witness to somebody for an hour? Come on. Well, I got, I, I, we supposed to be going to Pizza Hut. So, so you know. You, where, is the, where is the inconvenience for the sake of the gospel, if you really say you want to, if you want to progress, there has to be something in you that connects to the hard stuff. All this easy Christianity stuff. Oh Lord Jesus! If they had to go through beatings, imprisonment, lions and tigers leashed out on them, and they were killed for the sake of the God, up, put on crosses, and and they said, "We don't even want to die like Christ." Turn the cross upside down. That's what they went through to preach the gospel. Life's threatened, family's threatened, and a lot of the disciples were married. Peter had a wife. Y'all know that? Peter had a wife. Because Jesus had to go to and, and heal his mom-in-law of a headache. He had a wife. But guess what? He had a wife, but he was on the road preaching. Uh-oh. He left his family. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Because we're, we're in. Because we're, this, 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 this Virginia is family first y'all quiet y'all don't want to hear me y'all don't like this kind of stuff family first I can't come to church because I have to feed Johnny his applesauce <laughs> family first then God then the church you're wrong your model's off model's off if the Bible says seek first the kingdom of God, what is in the kingdom of God? What is, what is a part of the kingdom of God? See, this is hard stuff that, that people don't want to hear. What is in the kingdom of God? If the kingdom of God is in you, right, and, and in the kingdom is, is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost, then how do you have a relationship with God? Okay, the Bible says like this. How can they hear? Mandadababahaya. How can they hear without a preacher? I hear God for myself. But somebody got to make sure you ain't hearing God and the devil mixing together. 
It never said you can't hear, but it says, how can you? Y'all don't like that, look at you. After your eyes come back down and listen to me. How can, how can you hear without the preacher? You can't hear by yourself, but you really ain't going to hear without somebody monitoring what you're hearing. Oh, Lord. And people who, people who fight against that are people that cry, control and manipulation. You just want to control what I'm hearing. No, we got to monitor what you're hearing because if somebody don't monitor it, you could be hearing the devil and because nobody trains you in the difference or your soul can be so jacked up and have so many holes in it that the filter you are hearing God through, it gets jacked up through the soul and when it comes out of your mouth, it's no longer prophecy. It is no longer for edification. It is now something that is damaged somebody to hell because you ain't right and somebody has to watch not for your gift not for your mind but for your soul the bible talks about that you are here in this church not just for a nice bible study you're here because the saving of your soul is, in, is part of your kingdom package the saving of your soul the saving of your soul the saving of your soul. Not the saving of your body. That's why if you wear a dress or pants, it don't matter. Because the saving of your soul is, is much more about what's going on in your emotions, in your mind, in your conscious, in your super subconscious. The stuff you dream about and you ain't even know you're dreaming. The stuff you think about that you don't even know you're thinking about. And when somebody says, why would you say that? You say, I don't even know. That, that's, a, that's an indication that your soul got to be saved more. The saving of your soul is why I preach to you. Preaching for no dollars? Because there's a reward that's bigger than your offering for me. Woo. I got a crown. Shout out I get a crown for getting you to heaven. I don't worry about what I get on the earth. It'll come. But when I get up there, you're going to be known by your crown. That's why the Bible said that there's a crown for the soul winners. That show, watch this. You wear the crown. Oh, God, I'm going to help you. You actually wear the crown now. If you do the work, you wear the crown now. And that, that, that shows Satan how much authority you walk in. Maybe I'll do a series on the crowns. Because if we don't even know this stuff and you just barely trying to be saved, you have no authority without a crown. If he's the king of kings and we are heirs and joint heirs, we're supposed to be kings also. You can't be a king without a crown. So without doing the work, you don't get the crown. See, I'm trying to help. Okay, let me, let me, get, back to, let me get back to this. This is why when you pray, this is why the enemy don't listen to you. Because we lack authority because in order to have authority, there has to be a visible sign in the spirit realm that you are who you say you are. Who are you? Remember the devils? Remember the demons? Paul, I know. How did they know him? Because he had a crown. And he had multiple crowns. Jesus we know. How do we know? Because he was the king of kings. But he's put them demons said, who are you? Why? You're trying to usurp an authority without having the authority on you. Oh. Trying to help us. See, there's so much that we got to get to. We got to get to. We got to move out this baby stuff now. Come on, I got to get y'all to meet now. We got to move from the baby stuff. We got to move from, you don't like this season of your life? Then God going to make it better. No, deal 
with it. Because when you have authority, you can speak to your season. You can speak to your money. You can speak to your right now and command change to come. And any demonic force that's trying to stop it has to obey you. Why? Because they obey Jesus. That's how you know you're progressing. When your prayers don't fall to the ground. But when you pray, demonic, demonic spirits run because they realize you're praying. This is why the enemies been trying to stop some of y'all from praying. This is why the enemies been trying to stop some of y'all from getting in your word. Because he realizes once you connect... Ah, yeah, yeah. Once you connect to this thing, then he's in trouble. His kingdom has to go down. And you don't even realize it. You just think, I'm being fought. I'm in a season of warfare. No, the enemy is afraid of your potential. He's afraid of you submitting yourself and getting subject to authority. He's afraid of it. The issue is he, he the, let me help you. The fight is, the fight is that anytime you start submitting to the process of God, the enemy goes to doors inside of you that are still open and that's your warfare. Your warfare has nothing to do with the church. Your warfare has nothing to do with people. I'm not your warfare. Your warfare are the doors that you haven't had the authority to close. Okay. All right. Tell somebody, don't let your pain stop you. Come on, I got, I got 13, 11 minutes left. Let, let, me, let me deal with this. Write down uh, Hebrews 5 and 8. Because what we got to ask ourselves is what's the lesson behind the pain? What's the lesson behind the pain? Hebrews, Hebrews 5 and what did I say, 8? Listen to what it says. Talking about Jesus. Though he was a son, he was a son, yet he learned obedience. He was, he was not only a son, but he was the son of God. And the son had to learn obedience. What's your problem? The son had to learn obedience. When's the last time you took time to learn obedience? Because arrogance and pride keeps you thinking you got it. Instead of taking time to learn it. You want to you know, know when I realized I didn't, I didn't have obedience? And I thought I did? When I kept messing up and jacking up, and then I had to come and humble myself. Yes. I went to my pastor one day and said, man of God, I want to apologize. He said, why are you apologizing? I said, because up until now, I thought I had it all. Right. He was preaching stuff like this, and I was like, up until now, I was like, this man ain't saying nothing. I'm going, I, why am I here? He ain't saying nothing. He's talking about nothing. I want the deep things of God. I didn't even realize what he was saying was, was deeper than I ever had. <laughs> he was preaching deep stuff, and I was, because, watch this. I was service, but I, but I was deceived. Because I hadn't learned obedience. I went to him, I said, what do I need to do? You know what he said to me? Learn obedience. I turned, I walked away. I said, what? I said, hey, apostle, what? He said, learn obedience. Look it up in the Bible. See, y'all get it too easy. He said, learn obedience. Turn, I walked away. I didn't talk to him for another three months. I want to get a meeting. I said, I want to have a meeting with the bishop, you know, with the, with the apostle. And they went and told him. He said, no. Tell him, look up in the Bible. Learn obedience. <laughs> no, seriously. For three months, he told me, learn obedience. That's all I heard. He'd be preaching and saying something. He'd be like, learn obedience. And he'd go back to preaching what he's saying. <laughs> what did I tell you now? I'm sick of this church. <laughs> That's how I was dealt with. Yeah. You want to know why? Because he couldn't spoon feed, feed me right. what I needed to seek after. Right. 
You want to know why a lot of us are, 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 are entitled Christians? Because everything has been spoon-fed to us. What do I do about this? You don't ever pray. The Holy Ghost, never, never, you don't, you don't develop the relationship with the Holy Ghost so he can tell you how to deal with your problem. Yes. So when I get to church, I know Bishop's going to say something. And nine and a half times out of ten, I am because I'm going to tap into something in the Holy Ghost. And if you're really connected to this church, see, this is how you know you're connected because you come here and, and everything I preach is attached to what's going on with you. You'll be like, dag, dag. That's how you know you're connected. That's how you, because it's one spirit. This church operates over on one spirit. And what you go, a thousand problems, but God hits all of them in one service. You're like, man. Man, and he stayed on my problem a little longer than everybody else. I'm a little offended. <laughs> he didn't even get off that. He stayed on that for an hour. He, he talked about the Holy Ghost. And I think he really got a vendetta against me because he stayed on that for a long time. No, it's not that. See, where, where, where y'all get offended is where you should be rejoicing. If you were not on the radar of God, then you would come to this church and leave with no answers. That's how you know that God favored you and put you in a place and you're supposed to be growing in this place because when the word, see, if God is his word, the singing is nice. Come on, come be honest. I mean, every church you go to, they have highlights. The singing, some church you go to, they're all singing and no word. Other churches you go to, it's a little singing, a little bit of word. You're like, oh, that's, I need some little, little more of that word to push in that anointing. Other churches you go to, it's healing word, prophecy. Blah, blah. You're like, whoa. The issue is this. The word should be valued above everything else. Yes. Yes. Let me tell you something. I know every hymn, every song. Hymns and songs are nice. They boost my spirit, but they don't get me out of problems. The word is a thing that will never fail. You can forget the word to a song, but guess what? The word will come back up in your spirit because the Holy Ghost is not obligated to bring the song up. <laughs> He's not obligated to a song. He's obligated to his words. He will bring back to your remembrance the word of God. So guess what? So, 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 so if, you value, if you value your walk with God, measure it not by anything else. Don't measure it by how many times we eat in the cafe. Don't measure by who, who didn't greet you at the front door. Measure your attachment to this house, not by, you know what, Bishop preached too long. The music be too loud. The drummer plays too loud. Then they cut his bass drum down because my ears are ringing. Put some cotton in them. Because the question we got to ask is, is the word growing you? If the word is growing you, then don't be so quick to say what you don't like. And what, what, oh, come, okay, forget. Okay, he, though he was a son, verse 8. Hebrews 5, because if I don't do this, then I'm telling you, we're not going to make it. Hebrews 5 and 8. Though he was a son, yet he, everybody say, learned obedience. obedience. So the question we got to ask is, how do you learn obedience? How do you learn? Is that the next, the next viable question would be, if I got to learn obedience, then who's going to teach it to me? Who's teaching me obedience one-on-one? Is that what it, I would be asking them, right? Angel, I'd be like, look, if I got to learn obedience, then who's the teacher? He was a son, but he learned obedience. You want to know how he learned obedience? You want to know who's the, who teaches obedience? Suffering. Suffering. Y'all don't like this stuff tonight. Look at y'all. Because this is how you progress. I'm trying to tell y'all. This is how you go forward. You never suffer for nothing. You never suffer for, I'm telling y'all, hear me, hear the word tonight. 
Y'all voted, y'all always gonna be like, and God gonna progress you, look back and say, Goodbye, troubles. <laughs> Goodbye, troubles. Y'all like, ooh, Bishop just tore Bible study up. My man gotta be preaching. He come through, you hear me? I'm coming through all right. Coming through with this teaching. As a son, now now watch this. I'm, I'm, I'm about to help y'all. Somebody say, as a son. Beloved, now are we the sons of God. I know you're a daughter in, in, in the flesh, but in the spirit, he says you're a son. Yes. Right? God has sons. Amen. Why do they have, I'm a Paul. Why does he have, because that's what he did. That's what he done. That's what he done done. <laughs> Just become a son. <laughs> now watch. As a son, the Bible said he learned obedience. This is what made Jesus powerful. This is what brought the power. You want to be powerful? You want to lay hands on the sick and they recover? You, you, how many, anybody want to be using the gifts of the spirit? Anybody want to be powerful in the kingdom of God? Get your flesh under subjection? As, and, and, and become a son of God in the earth? Learn obedience! How do you do that? By the things you suffer. You learn obedience by your sufferings. Paul said, I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared to the glory. See, suffering leads you to glory. The manifested power of God. You don't get glory without suffering. So if somebody says, the glory of God's all over me, my question is, what did you go through? What did you have to endure? And I'm not talking about self-inflicted wounds. I'm talking about what have you endured for the sake of the gospel? When did you have to be faithful and didn't have the money to get here, but you asked somebody to give you a ride anyway? Come on. When did you, when did you witness, although you had pain in your body? When's the last time you prayed for somebody else to be healed, but you were having chest pains yourself? See, this is suffering for the sake of the gospel. This is not suffering so that I can, get, I, can, I can tell everybody what I did. No, you got your reward when you tell everybody what you did. This is suffering so that, watch this, you can learn obedience. You want to know how you learn obedience through suffering? Because when you suffer, you still got to still do what God wants you to do. You, you still have to do what God wants you to do, although you don't feel like, it, although you feel like it's unfair for you to have to do it. Because God ought to know that you're suffering. I still got to get my tithe. I only got my tithe. Well, give the tithe. Because that's you. You're learning through your suffering. See, y'all don't like that kind of stuff. I still got to stand up here. My leg is hurting. I still got to usher folk. Yes, why? Because through the suffering, you learn obedience. I have to learn that it's not always going to be easy. But in that God, he empowers me. And watch this. Healing comes after I learn. The healing comes after I learn. Okay, watch. watch. This is my issue with this verse. And Lord, we're not going to have time to get through this. This is my issue with this verse. Look at the verse. Is it still up there? He was a son, right? He was a son. And he learned obedience. By the things we just suffered. When you're not a son, you suffer just to suffer. Oh. Y'all missed that. Y'all missed it. When you're not a son, when you suffer, it's for suffering's sake. You go through and ain't no lesson behind it. Watch this. When you move out of sonship, how do you move out of sonship? You move out of the word. Okay. How do you move out of it? Because I know someone like, how do you do that? Say this, sonship, sonship. when I move out of it, out of it means I'm moving out of the word. John says, in the beginning was the word, 
and the word was with God, and the word was God, and the word became flesh. Who are we talking about here? Jesus. And walked amongst us. So Jesus is the, is the living word. The Bible is the written word, but it all is Jesus. So how do I get acquainted with Jesus? Get in the word. He said, I am the door. Oh, God. How do you get in the door to get to God? You got to go through Jesus, the word. If That's why he said, you have to be able to confess that he is Lord. You have to be able to say, he came in the flesh. Oh, come on, help me. Demons can't say that. They, they can't say that. Why? Because they can't get to God. Y'all, this is, maybe this is too much for you. A demon is never going to say that, that, that Christ came in the flesh. That's why, they all, that's why every, every person who's opposed to the word tries to make Jesus some good little prophet. Come on, Muslim people. That's what they do. And I love them, but they try to make Jesus some prophet that walked the earth. He was just a nice guy. He was a nice guy. He went around doing good deeds. No, he was the son of God. He came from the right hand of the father. And before the foundation of the world, he was slain. He was slain before the foundation of the world. And if you don't believe that, you ain't really a Christian. If you ain't believing that, you ain't really a son. You move out of the word of God and then you suffer for the sake of suffering. But if I believe he came, he died, he rose again, and is now seated at the right hand of the Father. If I believe that, and I believe what his word says, I remain a son with him. That's why I am an heir and a joint heir. Everything he did, I can do. Everything that's available to him is available to me. He becomes my big brother in the sky. Try to help you. Everything he did, you can do. This might be too much for y'all tonight. I didn't get to none of these notes. Anything he did, you can do. You can speak to you can speak to mountains. You can speak to your debt and say, in the name of Jesus, I speak from my seated position in heavenly places with Christ Jesus. Why? Because I'm connected to the word. And if I stay connected to the word, when I suffer, the Bible said, if you suffer, not for suffering's sake, but if you suffer with him, y'all missing this. Y'all missing this. I'm going through, but this ain't going through for the sake of going through. My suffering is not by myself. I don't cry myself to sleep when I suffer. I dance and rejoice because I'm not in this by myself. Somebody shout, I'm not alone in this. Somebody shout, I'm not by myself. He said, if you suffer with, guess what? You're suffering because they don't like Jesus. And because they don't like Jesus, they ain't going to like you. Because the devil realizes you're becoming more like him. So the more you become like him, the more the devil tries to put pressure on you. Pressure on your money. Pressure on your marriage. Pressure on your mind. Pressure on your job. But the more pressure you get, the more you got to realize I ain't suffering for, for nothing. Say this, I'm suffering with him. What's the end result of the suffering? I'm going to reign. Reigning is okay. Sit down, y'all. I'm done. Reigning means, watch this. I'm suffering down here, but when I move to reigning, my position changes. Reigning means after 
after I've suffered and I've suffered with him what is he doing while I'm suffering with him okay I'm glad you asked uh, remember what, I was right there change the position alright change the positions listen to what it says Peter says 1 Peter 5 and 10 says after you suffered a while God is going to perfect you I'm trying to hold myself together because I feel tongues coming up and y'all might not get nothing in English for another week. He said, after you suffered a while, I'm sorry, but I, I, I feel this on me. After you suffered a while, he said, he's going to perfect you. You feel like you don't have nothing to bring to the table. You feel like all is lost for you. You feel like, God, I don't even know where my life is going. But when you stay in him, you suffer with him. And while you're suffering with him, he's taking care of the imperfections. He's dealing with the blemishes. He's dealing with the part of you that you don't understand. He said, and then he's going to establish you. You're going to stop being wishy-washy. You're going to stop being double-minded. You're going to stop being in and out. You're going to stop being hot and cold. He said, and then he's going to strengthen you. That means the weak stop saying they're strong and become strength. That means every time it looks like you don't have what it takes to out of nowhere strength hits your body. The doctor says that you got a sickness and illness in your body. But strength comes in spite of the illness. And then he said, he's going to settle you. Put your hands like this. You know what that means? The more you suffer, the more balanced you become. The more you suffer, the more balanced you become. The more you see, we have taught a gospel that says, you don't have to go through nothing. God's going to pull you out of everything. But God said, no, suffer with me. Because I want to perfect you. I want to establish you. I want to strengthen you. And I want to settle you. Because then when you go out and tell somebody that Jesus saves, the power of God comes behind your words. The anointing comes behind your words. The gifting's going to operation. And it's not you, but it's the Christ that is in you. Why? Because you suffered with him. He gives you all of him when you suffer with him. All right, sit down. I'm done. I'm done. Remember, he learned obedience by the things which he suffered. When you suffer with him, you reign with him. So suffering is at, is at the lower level. Listen to this. I'm done. I'm going to close up. Suffering, say the suffering is the lower level of Christianity. Look at y'all. That's the lower level. This area, suffering is the area that he, he's working on you. He's establishing you. He's perfecting you. He's making you better. He's making you, he, he's giving you balance. But after you suffer, he says he's going he's gonna to do those things. But after you suffer, the writer says you're going to reign with him. Reigning is a process of your position, I said, being changed. So I'm suffering down here. But, but if I only look at this area, this, this landscape for where I'm going to be in God, I always dread suffering. I hate suffering because this is all I have to look forward to. Is suffering for suffering to, just because he's going to establish me, perfect me, and all this stuff. But when you suffer, after you've suffered a while, then you graduate to another realm called reigning. This is when the this is what the devil has been afraid of for us. We've been living at suffering. You're living from suffering to suffering to suffering to suffering. He's establishing, he's perfecting you, he's making you balanced, he's making you holy, he's doing all these things, but we never get to reigning because reigning means we now legislate. 
That means your authority changes. Before you get the reigning, he has to deal with the stuff in you that ain't right. You learn that by suffering with him. Because the best person to teach you how to deal with your imperfections is the one that was here that had no sin, but went through what you went through. He was here, went through what you went through, but he was yet without sin. So he's the best candidate to teach you how to get rid of all the stuff that's not like him. How does he do that? He sets up suffering. But the more you suffer and you conquer suffering, then you start the process of reigning. You know what happens? I'm looking at things differently now. Anybody ever going up in an airplane? When you're on the, when the airplane, when you're down on the ground floor, when you first come up a little bit, like here, everything still looks a little bigger, but, but you can see a little bit more. The higher you go, the smaller the problem is. The higher you go, the more you want to pray. You start saying things like, God, if I could quit my job and pray all day, I would. See? You ain't never said that because you ain't raining yet. If I could just stay home and study the word and pray all day long and get a check for it, I would. Because that's how much you love it. That's how much you love him. You suffered enough to know him. You getting that? You suffered enough to what? Know him. That I might know him. That I might know him, Paul says, in the power of his, res of his resurrection. In, 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 in the, the fellowship of his suffering. Fellowship of, come on, his work keeps coming up in the fellowship of you don't you don't fellowship with him until you get in suffering you never fellowship with with, with with Christ until you start suffering with him you know what fellowship is it is it's more than just I bring something to the table you bring something you know what fellowship is it's dialogue it's daily talking it's laughing it's conversation fellowship is I love you so much and I let, I let everybody go for you Jonathan and David had a fellowship relationship. So much so that, that, that Jonathan said, I know I'm the heir apparent to the throne, but I'll give it all up so that you can become the king because I love you that much, bro. Watch this. Jesus says this. I don't have to get off the throne, but the more we fellowship, the more I want to give you the peace of the throne. That's when you start fellowshipping with him through suffering. Watch this. The higher I go, the more my viewpoint changes. The stuff that bothered me down there, don't even bother me no more. Oh, talk about me, I don't care. Cause guess what, I don't gotta fight no more battles now. I'm in rain mode. I'm raining now. That means I don't even have to, I don't even have to address you. I don't have to address what you said. I don't have to address what you've done. I don't have to address what you feel about me. Cause I'm not, cause see, my, all of, all of me is not even concerned about that now. I'm, I'm legislating about different things now. Now I'm dealing with my bloodline. I'm seeing, because now I'm higher now, I can see where this thing started at. Remember what I said earlier? You got to know where the pain started so you know how to deal with it so you can cut it off so you can become now a candidate of moving forward and progressing. When you suffer, you reign. When you reign, you start seeing the beginning from the end because that's what God does. You start seeing the beginning. You, somebody comes and say, hey, how you doing? God will show you their intentions and where to land you at. You see the beginning from the end. Is that making sense? You want to know why we fall into stuff? Because we are not legislating yet. We're not up here reigning. We're still in, we're still in battle. 
So we get caught up with stuff because it looked, she looked right, he looked right, it looked like they said the right things. But you never get to the point of reigning. Somebody say, we will reign. Stand to your feet. We will reign. How many received something from the word tonight? This thing is so deep. This thing is so deep. This is not just about, this is not just about us just moving forward aimlessly. It's not just about us saying, oh, you know what? I'm going forward in the name of the Lord. Here you go. It's not just about us, us, us just going forward for the sake of going forward. Going forward has meaning behind it. Go, say, that, say going forward has meaning behind it. You don't go forward unless there's something to go forward for. And you don't go forward unless you know what's ahead of you. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of my faith who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. Come on here. He endured it. Why? Because he knew what was before him. He wasn't going to suffer on the cross for no reason. His suffering was going to lead him to reigning. All right, lift your hands up. We're going to pray. The process of progress is on this house. The Lord isn't just saying to this house I'm going to push you forward for nothing he's pushing you forward because there's a mandate on this house there's a mandate on your on your bloodline you are the one that God called to pray for the sick you're the one that God called to deal with generational curses in your bloodline you're the one that God called to have more than you've ever had you have to stop falling out the race because you're suffering for suffering's sake. You got to connect to Jesus through the word again so you can suffer with him and so that you can reign with him. Now, Father, our hands are lifted. Our hands are lifted and we glorify you. Your word, I feel the, the glory of the word in the room. I can feel the glory of the word of God.